Yeah, it's sports talk from the three bros. Something you can bet on like Pete Rose. And you better not miss it like some free throws. Giving taste is more accurate than Drew Brees throws. And it might get explosive like some C4. We just giving you a look inside the peephole. So if you got a weak take, you better keep those. And get your cheeks swole when you step into the ring with the Yami Bros. All right, all right, all right. We are back with another episode, another week of the Ami Bros podcast. I am your host, Damon, here alongside my wonderful younger brothers who just turned 35. Big hand clap for those boys. Happy birthday. <laughs> What's going on? Uh, your boy. How are you feeling, fellas? Your boy is five years old. Some coffee right uh, now. Um, how's it feel? To, trying to recover a little bit from the. Uh, the trip to Vegas, we got back Monday night, and yes, um, we did. I came back to uh, two kids who are battling a cold and uh, who are sleeping in the same room, waking each other up, which means I've been getting up the last couple nights. So, um, you know, I got the coffee going. Also, when I got back, I realized I ate terribly, and I was looked in the mirror, and I was like, man, I actually think I'm fat now. So then I started hitting a workout. Today was leg day. I can barely get up and down the stairs. Uh, it's it's, it's going to be a, All right, a Jared. very energetic pod, but only from my talking. If it was a running pod or uh, any kind of movement pod, it would be pretty terrible. A running pod, Jared? Hey, you know, if I All was right. running during the pod. You know, <laughs> Jeremy, how are you feeling, man? You good over there? Yeah, man. Uh, feeling good. I'm actually um, not going to talk about, you know, that. I have some sad news for myself. I turned 35. I am no longer eligible to win the American Idol. My dreams have been shattered. <laughs> That's hilarious. But you're now eligible to, to uh, be a president. I know. I, I hate to inform you, Jeremy, but you didn't have a chance on American Idol. Uh, all right. Move right along. Um, all right, fellas. So we got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, some NBA, some NFL. Uh, but first, let's talk about uh, LeBron versus Zion on uh, Tuesday night. Uh, very good matchup. LeBron definitely came up clutch at the end. But let's start with you, Jeremy. What do you think about this matchup between your boy Zion and LeBron? I thought it was a great game overall. Um, I thought, for the most part, the Lakers jumped up by like 13 points in the first five minutes. And it was a game of runs because they the Lakers would keep jumping up and the, and the Pelicans would keep coming back. Uh, and it was a very, very well – I guess I'm not gonna say a very well played game because it could have been played better, but uh, I thought it was a very good game to watch. It's very watchable. You can see the Pelicans are coming. The Pelicans have a ton of talent. Um, Zion is special. Um, the entire young core is pretty special. They didn't even play Jackson Hayes in the game, and Jackson Hayes, I think, um, has a really bright future um, in this league. So I think overall, just looking at the moves that David Griffin made this year. Um, bringing in uh, Melly, who was the EuroLeague MVP last year, um, not having to draft him and bringing him in as a rookie. He's been excellent. Um, obviously, you know, bringing in Lonzo and, and Brandon Ingram has been huge. Um, but Zion, in and of itself, more of luck than anything. Zion's special. And uh, you can see that last night. I've never seen someone come in the league and literally just Debo people at – 19 years old and he's probably 300 pounds and still can jump over um, Dwight Howard and grab a rebound and then uh, pretty much bully him out the way and get a layup. So 
yeah, I, I think um, I thought it was a really good matchup. Now, from the LeBron standpoint, this is the best I've seen LeBron play since he became a Laker. Like, I don't remember any game he's played as a Laker that I've been more impressed with the way he played than he was than was last night. Um, it was definitely a season high for this year. Last year, he might have had some good games. I know he had some good end games last year. But he really imposes will in this game. Um, it probably had something to do with the, all the hype around it. Zion, uh, the old Lakers coming back. Uh, generally, in these games, are the games he tries to get Anthony Davis going because he's going against his former team. But um, I liked his aggressiveness. He wasn't all that efficient, uh, 12 or 27. Uh, but scored 40 points. And, you know, that's why I say the numbers can sometimes lie to you because I've seen people who, oh, man, the guy shot 55%, uh, and they weren't nearly as effective as LeBron was. So I was very, very impressed uh, with how he played. He's been playing pretty well lately. He had a, um, you know, game winner the night before last, and then, and, and then uh, or the night before, I guess two days before the, the Zion game, and then he went off um, in this game. So a um, few t- key takeaways. Zion did a really good job on Anthony Davis, which I was shocked by. Um, we've yeah. got to figure out who's going to guard LeBron. Um, to be honest, I feel like even though he's too small for LeBron, Ingram's probably the best defender of LeBron of anybody on our team because you can bring help defense and he can still actually contest his shot. But um, I, I wouldn't put Ingram on him mainly because Ingram's got to be a, a scorer. I wouldn't want to give him too much. Uh, responsibility from the defensive standpoint on LeBron and having to score. And then also you don't want to get him in foul trouble. But other than that, I'm trying to figure out what other matchup we could put on. Like we really should have gone after a wing um, at some point. Like, I mean, if you're looking at, you know, all the people that are available, the Celtics can throw like eight people at at LeBron. The the Lakers can really only throw Drew Holiday and, and Brandon Ingram who are starters and nobody else has any chance. So um, Kendrick Williams has been out now for about two months. He was playing really, really good defense before he left. Um, I think he's probably a little too small for LeBron as well, but I think he's he's bigger than Drew and he can do a better job than Drew. Um, so I think that's a big uh, key that I'm watching out for, mainly because I think this is going to be the first round of a matchup in the playoffs. Um, other key takeaways. Uh, the Lakers had 12 blocks. Um, that's probably not to be expected. I guess it's probably not too unexpected considering the lead the league in blocks, but they had a lot of blocks. Um, and they definitely won the boards. Um, but the Lakers had no answer for Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram had 34 points pretty easily, 12 or 20 shooting. Um, probably would have had more if Drew Holiday didn't decide he was going to force the ball every time he touched it. Um, but, I mean, it was a it was a very, very well-played game. Um, I am definitely looking forward to the game on Sunday where they play again at 8 o'clock, a little more in my time zone, uh, time frame, so I can stay up and, and, and watch the entire game. I stayed up last night, but um, – Definitely pay for it this morning, so uh, I'm looking forward to it. First round playoff, ESPN, everyone else who's talking about sports will have, um, you know, Zion, LeBron coverage for about, you know, 87 hours straight. All right, Jerry, what do you think about the Zion and uh, LeBron matchup? So um, I think the biggest takeaway I had about it was uh, Zion came – Zion has this, like, motor that is really – I. I didn't see it coming in. I mean, I saw a little bit of Duke. I didn't see it coming into the NBA. I mean, when I when I saw him play in high school, there were there were. I mean, he was obviously super dominant, but I mean, he was playing versus kids, and I didn't see the aggression that he's just snatching balls away from grown men like like the the kid at the playground with his favorite toy. I mean, it's he's got like this 
energy, this motor that energizes the team. And I think he's got a, um, you know, way of impacting the game where he's impacting it without having to be the dominant force um, or the, the, the person they're, they're directing the offense around. I think a lot of the, the good that they're doing is they're allowing Brandon Ingram to be able to score. Um, and really he's scoring in the flow of the game. And Lonzo Ball is a, a, a guy. Lonzo's playing him. well. Lonzo's playing well. Lonzo's hitting some threes. Lonzo's always been a good defender. And he's finding Zion to get layups and dunks. Um, I mean, it's it's one of those things to where, you know, I'm happy for those guys for for the Pelicans, man, because of the fact of, like, you, you got to think, especially if you're Lonzo, you're Brandon Ingram, you know, you you get drafted number two overall, both of them uh, to the Lakers. You live in L.A. and obviously New Orleans is a fantastic city to be in, and one of my favorite cities in the world. But you think you're gonna like be on this like Lakers team? LeBron comes into town, and you're like, oh man, maybe we win a title. I don't know. And then you get shipped out, and you know they got some hope now. Now, now they have a team, they have a core that they could um, in the future compete. I'm, I'm not sure, um, you know, what they're gonna be able to do. I like David Griffin, but you know, I, David Griffin was also the same guy who I think drafted uh, Deion Waiters with the fourth pick. I think so I, I, we're gonna see about his drafting. I like Jackson Hayes with the tenth pick. And uh, them being able to trade away and gather some extra picks, um, but you know they're going to have a couple first round picks. Maybe they can package some of those. See if they can continue to develop the core. They're going to be really, really good. But about this game, there's two takeaways I had. LeBron looked at Zion and he looked at the Pelicans and he said, "Not yet." That was the biggest thing I saw. LeBron, that was that was as close to playoff intensity you'll find from LeBron in the regular season outside of. I don't know, last year versus Golden State or whatever. But I, I, I thought he was one of those games where I'm looking forward to LeBron playing the, the Bucks next week and the Clippers a couple more times this year in the regular season because I want to see that same energy versus those guys because I, I, don't really, I really don't think there's anybody that can stop LeBron when LeBron is in attack mode and when LeBron is, is playing downhill. I mean, as much as I thought he his physically had, he had regressed somewhat, I mean, he's dunking on dudes like it was nothing yesterday. I mean, what are the dunks he took off on Josh Hart? I mean, I didn't think that it was, was very disrespectful before. how he posted that picture. Dude, the picture is literally him just teabagging him in the face. Like, it's just like, I was like, boy. LeBron knew he needed to make a statement. That's kind of like Jordan when Kobe oh, came into the league, like, first time playing each other. You could tell Zion was nervous playing him. Uh, I was yeah. talking to you guys earlier on the phone about how much Zion laid off of him on that last uh, sequence where. Uh, LeBron drained the three in his face, but it's like, come on, man! Like, I know that's your, it's your idol, but D up, like, but uh, <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's, I, I, I don't think it was that. I think it was more of, I'm gonna, I'm. They probably told him, hey, if if, if you get switched out on LeBron, if he's gonna settle for the jumper, let him have it, but just don't let him get to the rim. He did um, more than settle. He did more than he wasn't. I mean, he gave him like three feet. Yeah, yeah and, and- I mean. But he's not he's not capable. That's not the matchup that the Lake that the Pelicans want is him out out there guarding LeBron. I don't think he has any chance if he actually goes out there to meet him. Um so I I, I mean I had no issue with that um with that defense that he was playing in that. Uh also another thing that was a good big takeaway, Jerry. I'm glad you said, you know, something. I, I wanna see this my question is I, I wanna see is this LeBron gonna be there when they play Kawhi? Is this LeBron gonna be there when they play Giannis? Um because you know, I've I've kind of got some questions on that, um, but overall, I think uh, you know he was dominant. Um, a couple more takeaways I got for the for the Lakers. 
Who's going to be your third scorer? Because you're not going to be able to depend on Danny Green to be your third leading scorer. He had five three-pointers last night. You're going to need somebody else who's going to be able to step up. And I'm not sure that, you know, your boy Kuzma is going to be that guy. So, um, you know, I think it's going to come down to very, very heavy on AD and LeBron to carry the entire load because I don't see anybody else who can do it. Well, here, here's the thing. I see somebody else that can do it. It's just so. Here's the, the second. Please don't tell me Caruso. <laughs> let, 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 let me let me let me go through it. Right. <laughs> so, I thought yesterday the game was won and lost by two terrible decisions by both both coaches. I thought the Pelicans could have won if they did one thing better, and I thought the, the Lakers could have blown them out if they did one thing better. Um, the Pelicans, for some reason, the first half decided they did not like Brandon Ingram and Zion to play together. Um, and they, they sat them down for long stretches of time. Um, seven minutes for Zion. The last seven minutes of the first, he wasn't on there. Uh, first seven minutes of the, uh, of the, uh, second quarter, uh, Brandon Ingram wasn't there. But so then on top of that, you got, um, you know, the Lakers continuing to play Rondo, you know, as the first guy with the bench over Caruso. Caruso is a ball. I'm not saying Caruso can be the second leader or the third leader score. I don't believe that. But do I think the offense can run efficiently with LeBron on the bench with Caruso? Yes. The problem is literally every time they took LeBron out of the game, they, like the game was like a 13-point game. All of a sudden, it was like two minutes on the bench. They were up two. I was like, what just happened? And it was all Rondo making dumb passes. Nobody's giving, you know, getting any space because of the fact that nobody actually, uh, nobody actually believes in his ability to be able to hit a jump shot. Um, so, I mean, I think when you look at it, it's going to be tough to win if Rondo is not going to hit jumpers and he's not, you know, he's not the defensive player he once was. And he's, you know, as a passer, the way he plays the game and dominates the ball, um, I don't think it fits or suits the, uh, the skill set of the team. So I think the biggest thing is Caruso needs to get more minutes. Kuzma's got to figure something out because, I mean, golly, he played yesterday 12 minutes, got up 10 shots. It was terrible. He, how do you play 12 minutes and you're minus 19? You're literally giving up a point and a half every possession. Like, that's just like – I mean, that's that's terrible. I think overall one, – one of the other things I noticed too, um, there's some there's some matchup issues when uh, the Pelicans try to play the Lakers. Um, for one, J.J. Reddick's not really playable. Um, J.J. last night had three points in 20 minutes. Um and that was after he, that's when he got fouled on a three and made all three free throws. So, um, JJ is not really that playable. Jackson Hayes is tough to play him because who are you going to match him up against? Um, I saw Jaleel Okafor get a little bit more time just to be able to provide some size. But um, there's a lot of players um, from the young core that that you won't really see um, matching up. Uh, Nikhil. Uh, Alexander, um, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he's uh, another player. So overall, what I think the, the Pelicans need to do is when they play the Lakers, I would like to see um, a small ball lineup. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, they're killing us on the boards anyway. Um, we've really got no answer for the size, and we keep continuing to try to go to, you know, Derek Favors or, or, um, or um Jaleel Okafor to match up because they've got JaVale and AD. Um, personally, I think I would literally just go small ball, um, 
put Zion at the five, let him guard AD, let whoever you want to guard, uh, I don't know, Ingram or somebody to guard JaVale. And literally, I would force JaVale or some key matchup of that. Somebody's going to have to guard Ingram. If they put him on Ingram, uh, hell, you, or if you put, like, LeBron on Ingram, then JaVale's got to go draw, guard Drew. Like, we're just going to play so small that we make it a, a, a matchup issue going another way because the way we're trying to play it now, matching up against them, is just not, to me, going to work in the playoffs. I don't think you need to – but that's if you guys run it that way, I don't think you need to play McGee. I think we just play AD at the center, and then we would end up with, you know, maybe it's Caruso or LeBron. No, so Caruso, because he probably wouldn't start. It would be LeBron, Danny Green, probably Markeith Morris by that point in time. Um, I, I figured you guys would go to that, but at least we would make you all adjust to us as opposed to us trying to adjust and put – you know, too many bigs on the floor, crowding the space. Like if if like I know Zion got blocked a few times, but if you're going to have um, Okafor or uh, Favors in the game with him at the same time, there's not going to be a lot of space. Um, so to me, if if you're going to have him in the game, you might as well just go ahead and put him at the five, and we can put I don't know somebody another shooter on the floor in, in space of floor. Um, and and another thing too, and this is the last thing I'll say because I know this is a topic going a little a little long. Um, I'd like to see. I know. Okay, Zion. Okay, you're trying to manage his minutes. Okay, cool. I mean, Ingram needs to be playing more than 31 minutes a game. Like I know you're trying to like keep the minutes down of all the players, and like they took him out. He had 12 points in the first quarter. They took him out and they didn't put him in until five minutes ago in the in, uh, in the second quarter. Like he doesn't need that many that that long of breaks. Dude's 22 years old. He should be playing 35 to 37 minutes a game. Um, I'd like to see a lot less breaks. I would like to see a lot more of him on the floor with Zion because I think, um, you know, he's the second best three-point shooter on the team um, behind Redick, who's shooting 45% for the season, which is just ridiculous. Um, but he's shooting 40% threes. And I think if you bring help to Zion, you're going to get a lot more open looks for those other guys on the outside. Um, but when you only play them one at a time, you, you really, allow, really allow teams to focus in on, on who's the primary scorer. And they're both on the floor at the same time. As long as Drew Holiday doesn't take the ball and shoot 19 times, make 11, 11 points, um, you know, it's, it's a very tough guard. All right, fellas, well, let's move on. Let's start talking about um, the new emerging um, new emerging star in the NBA right now, uh, Jason Tatum. Hi, baby. My beautiful wife just walked by. Hey, um, but, yeah, Jason Tatum's having a great year. Um, had a great game a couple nights ago. Um, are the Celtics the biggest threat to the Bucks in the East is the question, though. Uh, Jared, let's start with you. I have to say so right now. I mean, we're, we're looking at uh, – let's, let's kind of break it down. I think if you're looking at the Eastern Conference, there's really five teams that are talented enough to come out of the East. That doesn't mean they're, gonna, they're good enough, but talented enough. First would be uh, obviously Milwaukee, who is on pace to – potentially right now I think they're on pace to win 71 games. Obviously, the NBA record seventy three games, um, but they're they are playing at an elite level. Um, but outside of them, Philly has the talent. But here's the problem: one, I don't trust the core of that team that they have the maturity to be able. I don't to know. If, I don't know it. if you saw this, Jared. Um, I was just going to say. I think they lost to, yeah. the, to the Cavs, right? Embiid went out with a sprained shoulder. Did he? Ooh. Yeah. So yeah, that's so that's not even good. worse. Yeah. So I was gonna, and I I was just about to say. Ben Simmons is out for at minimum two weeks. They said likely it's going to be much longer than that. So if those two are out, then I'm going to mark them off the list. 
Secondly, you got Miami, who right now is the three seed or two seed, depending on uh, I think the the way the games turn out tonight. Um, and Miami, Miami, I think would give them some problems. They have shooting. They have Bam Adebayo, who who can punish some in the post. Um, you, you got a guy in Jimmy Butler who can you know be. He's not as good as Giannis, but he's somebody who can go versus Giannis and not be afraid and take the battle to him. And if you looked at how they played last year when they played the uh, the Raptors, I mean, the Raptors came out of the East, but I mean, Jimmy Butler played Kawhi as tough as you could play him. And at the end of the game, it came down to Kawhi hitting a fadeaway jumper in game seven. So I think they're a team that has a chance. Um, the other team that I think you have to look at would be, from a talent standpoint, the Raptors. But I, I think... You know they're 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 missing that one piece, and obviously, you know, you, you love if they had Kawhi or somebody along those those lines. But Siakam, I don't think is quite at the level where he can um, shoot well enough to where he can just continue to take them apart. Because when you go versus the Bucks, they have so much length. Brooke Lopez is the number two shot blocker in the league. Um, Giannis obviously is blocking a ton of shots. It's going to be tough to drive, and with Siakam's game, I don't see that working. So when you break it down, I think the best team team with the best chance is the Celtics. I think, one, you got Tatum playing at an elite level. Two, you got Jalen Brown playing at an all-star caliber level. You got Kemba playing at an all-star caliber level. And then on top of that, you got Gordon Hayward, who's playing really well as well. And then, you know, you got Daniel Tice, who's the starting point guard, who, I mean, I saw him give 25 points the other day. Um, so that do the only thing that concerns me a little bit about the Celtics is they don't have a ton of depth. Um, right now they're playing Romeo Langford some minutes, which I don't, I don't think is great. Um, they're playing, um, you know, a lot of guys that I, I wouldn't, you know, I never heard of or wouldn't give a ton of minutes to. I like Marcus Smart, obviously off the bench, but in the, over the last couple of years, they've lost a lot of depth. They lost uh, Marcus Morris. They lost um, obviously Al Horford. They lost uh, Kelly Olenek. Uh, they've lost. They've lost some talent. I think personally. Now this is gonna sound probably silly. I would actually try to sign Isaiah Thomas if I was them. Um, he's he's already familiar with the system. He's already and, and off the bench for for that team. I think he could give some kind of spark. I would trust him in the playoffs more than I would trust Romeo Langford. Uh, and obviously, you know, you caught light in a bottle once. I'm not saying that you just you know go out there and give him starters minutes or anything. But for a veteran minimum guy. Um, I think I would do that to try to bolster my depth. But overall, I think the Celtics should be the the, the favorite to face the Bucs, um, you know, if, that, if they come to the Eastern Conference Finals. But I also think they should be the, the one that's going to give the Bucs the most problem because I think Jason Tatum is shooting the ball well enough and they're defending well enough and they have enough firepower to be able to uh, to take on anybody. Well, speaking of Jason Tatum shooting, um. A bet right now that's on is Jason Tatum over two and a half three pointers made tonight. Um, seems like a pretty easy enough bet. So um, I'm yay or nay on on whether or not I made that bet or not. But I hope Jason Tatum makes at least three threes. Anyway, <laughs> um, I think I don't think they're the 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 number one obstacle to the Bucks. Um, I actually think it's probably still the Raptors. Um, maybe the Heat. And, I, and the reason why is I think the Celtics are the second best team in the East. Um, if you go player for player, they're probably the best team in the Eastern Conference player for player because um, if you start with the Bucks, obviously Giannis is the best player on any team. Uh, he's better than Tatum is. Um, I would even say that the second best player, um, 
Chris Middleton is better than Kimba. Um, it's pretty close, but I, I mean, Chris Middleton's really being overlooked this year. People are, are sleeping on how good he is. I mean, it's the dude's because he was at- so bad last year in the playoffs. He was awful. I mean, yeah. you look at that last series when they got beat by the uh, by the Raptors. He, I think they, I think he didn't have one one game where he scored over fourteen points or thirteen points. It was like he was awful. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at him this year, the dude's averaging twenty one points on fifty one percent shooting. 44% threes, six rebounds, four assists. <laughs> and and he's doing it under 30 minutes a game. So um, the the way this guy is playing, I mean, ISO, pull up. Like, literally, he's a perfect compliment to Giannis. Um, so I, I really like his game. Um, but Kimba, obviously, as a number two, is great. Jalen's probably the best number three of any team in the league. Um, I say that, but let's, let me think through. Yeah, maybe not the best offensive player, but the best overall player. Maybe, yeah, like you, the, you, maybe you have Eric like a Gordon Lou, or somebody, a Lou um, Will or somebody like that. Yeah, you'd have to. yeah, you got to throw in. Um, before the season, I would have probably thrown you Drew, but no, it's not at all. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and then Gordon Hayward is probably by far the fourth best, best fourth best player on the team. The other night they had four people to score twenty five points in the game. So, um, and that was with Kimba out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. So, uh, but the reason why I don't think they're the best matchup um, is because you know it's like rock paper scissors. Like at some point, you've got to be able to match up, and they don't have any shot blockers. They don't have any interior presence that I trust. Um, if you put Enos Cantor on the floor, Giannis will average fifty, and <laughs> I just don't yeah. see the matchup working in their favor. Now, the reason I like the the Raptors is the Raptors have some shot blockers. They have some length. Um, I really think uh, they got a lot of bodies to throw at Giannis. You saw that last night. Giannis didn't have a good game. Um, Pascal Siakam can guard him at times. Oh, uh, oh, what's his name? Ana, Anayobi. Um, yeah. OG. Uh, he's um, he can guard him at times. You can um, probably put a back on him at times and just have shot blockers in the game. I think there's a lot of things that you can do in order to try to slow them down. Now, do I think they have a chance? No, I don't really think anybody has a chance. The only person who can really beat the Bucks is the Bucks if they come and don't play. But um, I just don't like the the Celtics matchup. Jason Tatum's been playing great. Um, I'm glad to see it. Uh, if you look at you know my my Duke uh, the Duke alumni that have come out, not even alumni but players uh, in the last three years or, or last four years. What is it? Five? Yeah, last four years. Um, you go back to Ingram, you go to Tatum, you got Zion. Um, I think Marvin Bally is going to be really good when he comes back from injury. So imagine if last year, like everybody had stayed, and obviously they probably wouldn't have got all these players. Imagine, though, if you had a college team and you had Ingram, Tatum, Zion, Marvin Bagley, and Trey Jones. It would have been ridiculous. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think the, the Raptors are the best team um, to, to, to face the Bucks. Let's not talk about Duke the night after they lose to Wake Forest. Oh God! I, know, right? <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> happy for my boy uh, Roy when he came in the locker room after that W the other night. So, uh, wait, about wait. Time. North Carolina won a game. We beat NC State yesterday. We won a game. Did you really? Yeah, That's crazy. We swept them this season somehow. Um, but let's Jeez. move on to some NFL uh, boys. Uh, the combine is going on right now. Joe Burrow's uh, obviously at the combine right now, and his hands measured at only nine inches from thumb to uh, pinky finger. So that's pretty small in NFL terms. Um, what do you guys think about this? 
uh, his, his, ab- his uh, ability to, to, to keep control of the ball, to be able to throw tight spirals. Because uh, if you guys didn't know, the, the NFL balls are slightly bigger than the college balls, so it might become an issue. Uh, so let's start with Jeremy this time. What do you think about um, the combine in general and Joe Burrow's uh, hand size? Uh, the combine is what I would generally break down as mostly a big waste of time for everybody. Um, how fast you run your 40 really doesn't matter. I mean, Jerry Rice ran a 4.71. Michael Thomas ran a 4.58. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins ran with a 4.6. I mean, Antonio Brown ran a 4.6. Literally, like, half the stuff they're testing for, it doesn't really matter. Um, hand size. Do I think that's an issue? No. Patrick Mahomes' hand is around the same size. Uh, Jared Goff's hand is the same size. Um, you know, I'm not trying to say, you know, you really want to turn into Jared Goff, but I haven't seen his hand size be an issue. His issue is that he doesn't know how to read defenses. So, um, overall, I don't really see this being an issue. Um, I like his his comment about it. Um, I really like his cockiness. It, it's uh, To me, it's, a, it's an appropriate level of cockiness, but not – to a Baker Mayfield level where he just doesn't understand, you know, who he is or, or, you know, what actual decorum is. But I, I like the the confidence that he has. I think he's going to be phenomenal in the league. Uh, you can't teach that kind of accuracy. You can't teach that kind of um, timing. Um, to me, he reminds me a lot of – really reminds me a lot of Drew Brees. Um, just from the accuracy, accuracy standpoint, they're running a very similar offense. He's probably got – I mean, obviously he's got better legs than Brees has right now, but – um, Breeze in his younger days had had a, had a little legs. Um, he's not going to be running away from anybody by any means, but can he escape, get out of the pocket and make some throws? Um, I think he can. So um, I think the Bengals would be silly to take anyone else other than, than Joe Burrow. But if they do, it would be the Bengals being the Bengals. Yeah, so I, I think there's there's several things to look at, right? Are, is the combine silly? There are some things about the combine that is silly, right? There are some things where you look at it and you're like, all right, well, this guy, he's been terrible his entire college career. Then he gets to the combine, he puts up ridiculous numbers, and all of a sudden he's going to go first round. And this happens. The Mike Mamolas of the world are, uh, you know, the you, you see these situations. Here's the problem, though. There are certain situations to where you find out a flaw that maybe makes you revisit and look at it. I think Joe Burrow, I don't think his hand, hand size is going to be the problem. But I will tell you this. Joe Burrow... I, I, I like the fact that you, you said what, it, what exactly Joe Burrow has a cockiness that borders on arrogance pretty consistently. Let me tell you who I would compare it to. It's a Steph Curry like arrogance. Yes. Yes. It's like <laughs> the, where you're like Steph, like, and the, that's, I think the worst part about it is, is, you know, Steph has this like cockiness that I, and we, we spoke on the last podcast about it where I said he's like kind of the a-hole, but nobody like looks at it as him being the a-hole because of the fact that he is really good and he kind of does it in like a, I don't know, unassuming way. Like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about retiring now because my hand size. Oh, like he's, you know, and so, but here's as someone here's, who's a low key jerk. I, I can appreciate that. Yes. Here, here's the thing I will tell you though about the combine. Um, you do – there's a, a, a skill set that you need to look for. And there, when, whenever you, you take a season and you're looking at one great season, because Joe Burrow the, the previous year had 17 touchdowns and 14 picks, I believe was the number. Um, and, you know, as much as I think his accuracy is amazing, uh, was this year, it concerns me with a one-year wonder quarterback who developed with, you know, 
Joe Brady coming over and, and kind of implementing a system. Now, obviously, if you could have Joe Brady and, and Cincy, I'd be a lot more comfortable. But if he goes to Cincy and he's in that system, and I don't know a ton about the, the coach now, Zach Taylor, who was a, more of a, a you know somebody who just hung around a ton with uh, with McVay and kind of got the job really early. I don't know how well they're going to be able to cultivate and develop that, develop him. And um, so I think if you're looking at building a team, I think Tua is going to have more success. I'm going to say this, uh, and and I was never huge on Tua. I thought Tua was also the same way that Burrow was throwing to great receivers all the time. I thought Tua was doing the same thing. But, I mean, when you look at Tua's numbers, he's got like, what was the number, 90 touchdowns, the eight, the 11 picks or something over his career in, in the SEC. Um, and you throw in the fact that, I mean, he is he is accurate. He's significantly younger. Um, I think he's two two four years younger than Burrow. Uh, so I think Burrow, if he plays like he did last year, his ceiling is not going to really. I mean, his ceiling is going to be super high regardless. But I don't see Burrow doing a ton of improving because of the age he's at already. Um, and it, you kind of get one of the situations to where, not saying he's Baker Mayfield, but Baker. A lot of people rookie season compare. You know, they they were comparing Baker to Darnold and Baker to Lamar Jackson. And everybody's like, oh, look how developed Baker is. But it was like, yeah, but Lamar's 20 and Sam Donald's 20 and Baker's 23. So that, to me, to be? me, that's more of an issue had you played four years and that's what happened. If you haven't had the experience, I don't really, the age really doesn't, to me, make a big difference. If you don't have the experience, if once you get in the game, you're seeing huge strides and improvement, um, it is not that, hey, you've played for four years and you really haven't made any you know much improvements, I would be more concerned than I would for someone who's literally just hasn't played because he was sitting behind other people. Right. And I, and I'm not telling you that Joe Burrow is going to be a bust. I don't think so. But if I, if I was betting on who has the bigger upside, I would tell you Tua probably has a higher upside in my opinion. And I think when you look at it, he's going to probably go to a better situation. I'm going to venture to say he's probably, he's going to go top three. I'm thinking, or top four giants are already talking about they're interested in trading out of that pick. Um, I think in reality, the Lions should look at him at number three, but I think he'll go to a better situation than the Bengals who are, I think the only franchise um, that's been around since 91 that hasn't won a playoff game since 91. Um, so at the end of the day, I good luck to both of them. I, I feel good about both of those players, but guys beware. I mean, whenever you have, you know, if you have one, one tick mark against you, it's one thing, but when you got, Four tech marks. So the tech marks for Joe Burrow would be uh, one only one year really being a great quarterback. He's got the small hands that you 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 know they mention about. Um, you you got the situation where he does have um, somewhat of cockiness, and I, I, I don't think it's just because of all oh, what he said, but you know he's talking about oh you know well. I got the leverage of myself when I when I come into this draft. So, but like he's kind of got this cockiness about him that I'm not sure how how much like it's great for college, but I'm not sure how I'm gonna how that's gonna translate to the NFL if you start losing. Um, and I think he he's got good size. I don't think he's he's got great size. So I, I think I think he's gonna end up being. I mean, like he's I said, six four, probably two twenty five. I th- I thought he, he measured six two. No, he measured at six four. Okay, so he's 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 bigger than I thought. I I, I made the comparison. I thought he was going to be kind of a, a newer version of Tony Romo, uh, maybe a little bit more clutch because you know he seems to have that clutch gene going, but more of a Romo style quarterback where he's going to be good. I'm not sure if he's going to be win you a Super Bowl good, but I think he'll be win you a couple of playoff games good. But um, 
You know, we'll we'll see. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my money on Tua being a better pro. I, d- I definitely disagree with that. And if you talk about red flags, Tua's got you know two bad ankles, a bad knee, a broken finger that's, that's healed now, a uh, bad hip. I mean, like the, the guy's literally like uh, a walking uh, operation game. So um, I think uh, Burrow. I mean, for the stuff that they're talking about, Alex Smith had no issues with his hand. There was a huge question about him about his hand size. Uh, obviously, there wasn't a lot of questions about Patrick Mahomes' hand size because he really wasn't uh, a talked-about prospect very much before the draft. Um, most people thought he'd be late first round. Um, but there's been plenty of quarterbacks that have come in the league. I've yet to see any quarterback to where they've said, where they've said oh, man, his hand size really limited his ability. So The only uh, one I, I can remember, and he went undrafted because of it, was Chris Leak because they said he struggled to throw the ball at the combine because his, his hands were too small. Yeah, I think and, he measured in like eight. It was, it was. No, I mean, no. It was, and here, here's a weird thing: his measuring at nine and a half, which <laughs> I looked up yesterday, which was so. strange because it would seem like that wouldn't be an issue. But hey, yeah, that that wouldn't. That's normally not considered a small hand. That's probably about average for quarterbacks. Exactly. Um, but yeah, for overall, what I would say, um, I think he's going to be spectacular in the league. I think he's going to be um, a great player. And I hear a lot of people bringing up, oh, man, Joe Burrow, you know, he's only really done it for one year. There's a lot of quarterbacks who literally didn't do it for any years, and they just had a lot of talent, and so they got in the league. Matt Ryan didn't have a single great season playing college football, and he went number three overall. Um, there's a, and, and he became a success in the league. Um, there's a lot uh, of Matt, people. Matt Ryan had a really good last season. He had, he had them uh, ranked top five in the BCS rankings at Boston College. He, he completed 59% of his passes. He threw but 31 he, touchdowns and 19 interceptions. But you got, he had no talent around him, and he had them top three in the country. Like, I, I can't say he didn't have a good year. Jerry, Jerry, you can't throw 19 interceptions and be top three in the country and not have any talent around you. It's, like, impossible. <laughs> this, we'll see. Think about it. It's not even two to one at, at touchdown and interception play in college. Joe Burrow threw, like, 60-something touchdown passes this year. <laughs> so, overall, Game, I, yeah. I just, games changed a little bit, though, since, yeah, since Ryan Bagger. All right, fellas. Um <clears throat> Who do you guys uh, favor going into the last stretch of the NFL or, or the NBA rather? Um, I know you guys are, are big fans of your teams. I know Jeremy's pulling for New Orleans. I know Jared's pulling for his Lakers. But I'm interested to see who you guys have as sleepers and who you guys uh, definitely think is going to be the front runners uh, going into the playoffs. Let's start well, with I, I think right now the front the front runners for the finals for me are probably the Lakers and the Bucks. Um, outside of that, it may be Clippers and the Bucks. Um, the thing, the thing about the Lakers that, that gives me a lot of confidence is one, they're starting to beat good teams. If you look over the last, uh, you know, few games, they beat the Nuggets on the road. Uh, they beat the Celtics. They beat, you know, throughout the season, they've beaten good teams. They beat the Heat, one of the only teams to beat the Heat in Miami. Um, besides, you know, them losing without starters in there. Um, you know, they've beaten some good teams. They're starting to put it together. Um, and I think they're going to have home court advantage throughout. Um, the Western Conference. Um, and you throw in the Clippers, the thing that concerns me about the Clippers is Paul George keeps getting hurt. Um, and he, he came back yesterday, seemed fine, uh, or it was maybe two days ago, he'd seemed fine. But he's been injured a whole lot since since the major injury on, on his leg. I mean, he came back, he got injured a couple times. He got injured last year for the Thunder, ended up having to have all-season sur- shoulder surgery. This year he's hurt his hamstring, I want to say three times. And you look at a team that you know they lost three straight games before they just beat Memphis. Um, so I'm not sure you know how, they're in the three spot now, but they're like like 
two games. Three yeah, I better games. hope they stay in the three spot because last thing I want to do is have to play in the second round. Well, the, might not make it to the second round. I'm, I, I'm, I keep telling people, Jared, Jared, quit playing. If they play to that four spot and they catch the Rockets, that is a bad matchup. The Rockets have beaten them twice already this year, and that's a bad matchup for them because they have nobody to guard Harden and Westbrook. Like they, uh, they really what don't. you mean, like Paul George and Kawhi? Paul George and Kawhi <laughs> can't guard point guards and in, in, in small twos. Uh, that if you watch when they Patrick that, Beverly. This is, <laughs> this is and Patrick Beverly got cooked for 45, 47 last time they played. Uh, I, I think when you look at, uh, you know, as much as everybody, and, and Kawhi's playing great ball. Kawhi, when he's, you know, the fact that when he actually plays games, I mean, he's one of the, probably, if not the, one of the top three most dominant players in the league. But Kawhi's not really playing defense on people right now. Now, I think he may be selling it for the playoffs. But, like, when they played the Rockets, I mean, Paul George, I ain't Paul George, uh, James Harden was lighting up everybody, and Kawhi wouldn't take him for a possession. Um, so, I mean, I think uh, – and, and then when he played the Celtics, Tatum hit him for 30 – was it 35? And then it switched off, and Marcus Smart gave him 30. Now, Marcus Smart was treeing, but I, I think at the end of the day, the teams I feel most – If you watch most of that game, that was that was more of pick-and-roll scoring. I mean, it wasn't – I definitely agree, but I, I thought – first off, they got robbed in that game, so they should have won that game. Um, because Lou Williams got fouled shooting a three um, with 30 with thirty seconds left in overtime and made the three, so he should have been going to the line to shoot four, and they said that he had a swing through, even though it wasn't even close to a swing through, and gave him a side out. Um, so that would have pretty much iced the game. <laughs> but I, I, I don't think that ices the game, because they were down three at the time, right? No, they were tied. I thought they were down three, and then they ended up – they were. They were down three. No, it was tied at they, that point. No, because – they hit a because later on that possession they hit a three to tie the game up and it went to double overtime. But that it was after getting, after they missed. Then Celtics hit a three. Then they hit a three tied up. Then when they took okay, that so three, even even if he gets that point right, he got four. Well, the Celtics get a three next possession. And you're down one. Like I can't say the game's over, but yeah, they definitely got cheated on the play. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think we we need to look at it and say, all right, if the Clippers, you know, if they match up versus the Rockets, so they match up versus. I mean. I don't, I, don't, I think they definitely beat the Mavs, but they match up versus OKC. That's a tough matchup. They have nobody that really can can guard point guards outside of Beverly. And if you, you know, the problem they typically give is that Lou Williams comes in and gives a ton of minutes, but Lou Williams can't guard you know Chris Paul. Like he's just he just, he just can't. So um, Jack, I, I have Lou is zero concern of anybody beating the Clippers in the West. We'll see. Zero concern. Um, Overall, my thought process is the Clippers are literally just chilling. They really don't care. Um, they'll turn it up when it gets to that point. Um, I think the Lakers are starting to look better, um, but there's definitely some flaws. They don't really have anybody who can run the offense when LeBron's out. Um, I think that's going to result in LeBron playing a lot more minutes in the playoffs, um, which I don't know you know, how that will affect him. He's getting a little older, so you know, more minutes could mean, you know, um, maybe a little less efficient. So looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Um, as far as the playoff push, obviously I'm going to talk about my boys. I think we're going to make the run. However, there's a lot of people that are coming to the mix. No team that everybody's missing out on is that the Kings are tied with us in the loss column now. They've won four straight games. Uh, they play the Thunder tomorrow. Uh, and then I think they play the Memphis. The, I know it's the next game. I want to say it's on Friday. So um, there's a lot of teams that are in that mix. I see the Spurs are losing now, which I'm happy about. 
Um, I see the Memphis just lost, blown out again. Um, so overall, I think uh, you know Zion's jumping back into their their rookie of the year conversation. But um, yeah, overall, I think we'll make the playoffs. I think it's going to be a good matchup. And honestly, um, one of the things Jay Jay Williams brought up today on uh, Get Up was when you look at the people around LeBron and the people around Zion, it's it's the talent is actually pretty comparable. It's not a, a huge talent discrepancy uh, from one team to the other. So um, I think uh, that's going to be really, really, you know, interesting to see, fun to watch. Um, I think the Lakers will win, but I think it'll be a good experience for the Pelicans, and I think the Pelicans will take at least a couple games um, and make it a little more interesting than probably most people think it'll be. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, some of the other matchups, uh, I'm interested to see how the Rockets team plays out. I don't think that's going to work in the playoffs. I know you brought up that they beat the the Clippers twice. Uh, overall, that's regular season basketball. We all know Russell Westbrook and James Harden don't um, necessarily play their best in the playoffs. I'm not concerned about that. Um, the Jazz have looked really, really suspect lately to me. Um, I don't think they're going to make it out of the first round. The Nuggets are semi-dangerous. I really don't think there's anybody in the in, in the West who's – a challenger to the Lakers or the Clippers outside of each other. Um, and I think the Clippers will be the one to come out on top just because I think they match up better. But, I'm um, telling you, the, the Rockets are going to give problems. I mean, Westbrook, since they made the trade, Westbrook's numbers have been astronomical. I mean, you look at his numbers tonight. I think really it was have. 15 of 23 for like 35 points. Like he's, but what he's happens not in the playoffs? Three. He's not going to shoot threes. He's still going to be able to attack. No, no I'm, I'm talking about more of the half court. You're gonna get more game. More games gonna be in the half court. You're gonna get lots lower pace. You're not gonna be able to push the tempo, and you're gonna get a more a lot more set defenses, which is what I anticipate will cause them, you know, a ton of problems. Um, I just think when you play small though, and you have the athleticism that they have on the floor, nobody's gonna stand from them. Even when it's a set defense, Westbrook can get to the rack, and if you don't, if you have Westbrook and four spacers on the floor, there's not gonna even in a set defense, nobody's gonna be sitting there. So if nobody's sitting there, I mean, in in the paint, how are you going to stop it? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna dare West Westbrook to beat me for a full for a full series, and if he does, I'll, I'll uh, shake his hand. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. But yeah, so uh, you guys got any uh, parting words before we get up out of here? I'll, I'll let Jeremy go. I think Jeremy had uh, had something he was a little fuming on. Yes, yes, yes. So, Uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> this rumor that came out, and, you know, pardon me if I seem a little perturbed. What? That the NFL is thinking about removing the pass interference uh, rule, and they are likely to remove the pass interference rule that they implemented last year. Now, keep in mind, even though they weren't overturning it, there was probably a hundred legitimate challenges that they didn't overturn. So what you're pretty much saying to everybody is, is we're okay with these calls not being made. We're okay with our product being subpar because we just really didn't want to address it anyway. We just really wanted to leave it like it was. The referees should be held to a higher standard. The NFL should hold themselves to a higher standard. Um, the playoff games last year were changed based on uh, pass interference calls. Like the, I mean, it's just so much inconsistency. Um, Kyle Rudolph gets away with a push against us, and then all of a sudden, the exact same play happens in the Super Bowl, and you call it on on 
own little, which changed the entire outlook of the game. So I'm pretty sure that the 49ers, you know, well, they definitely have a much better chance of winning that game um, if that call is not made. So there's no consistency. There's no kind of accountability. There's no way of them rectifying wrongs whenever they make mistakes. And so what the NFL is deciding is we would rather have a controversial topic talked about on first take or, you know, whatever show you're, that you're watching than to actually get some legitimate, um, you know, decisions made on the field. So uh, congratulations, NFL. You're a freaking joke. <laughs> no, watch, hey, you're a little perturbed there, buddy. Why don't you tell them how you really feel? Take some deep breaths. Tell them how you really feel. <laughs> oh, um, Jared, so, what you got in your mind, man? You know, and the one thing I do want to talk about is this. Uh, Monday um, was the Kobe Memorial 224. Kobe and uh, Gianna Bryant. Man, I just got to give a shout-out to the Lakers organization, man. They did a fantastic job. Um, I thought uh, Vanessa Bryant, who it came out, I guess it was j- last minute that she decided she was going to speak. I don't think she was really planning on speaking, uh, according to the reports. Did a phenomenal job. I mean, it was super sad, but I, I think – they did a phenomenal job of, uh, you know, telling a lot of stories that I had never heard of about Kobe. Um, and so I think when you look at it at the end of the day now, um, I think we're we're in a place where obviously there's never, as LeBron said, there's never going to be kind of closure when it comes to this. But I thought they did it as, as well as you possibly could as far as honoring a guy that really, um, I mean, for the Lakers organization is, you know, from all, you know, most most people's accounts, the greatest Laker of all time, um, and you know, I, ultimately, I got to take my take my hat off to them because I thought they did a phenomenal job um, in in making sure they got you know the entire um, you know spectrum of emotions and everything done. You know, I thought they did, they did a phenomenal job. I couldn't I couldn't really complain about anything they did. I'll I'll throw out one more thing. Um, agree with your sentiments there. Um, I would like to see a Kobe and Gianna statue. I know you're going to do a Kobe statue. I would like to see a statue of them two together. I think that would be uh, very fitting um, outside of Staples. So, you know, I think that would be a, a good tribute. Um, and uh, one last thing, a little away from that topic. Jared, I told you I don't bet on Luka. They were just up like 17 points. They're up two points now against the Spurs. If they don't win this game, what is he, 19 or 22, two of nine threes? I mean, God, always in the fourth quarter, always. Oh, I'm sorry. I had my mic muted. My bad. I said you said he's nine of twenty-two or nineteen of twenty-two. Nine of twenty-two. <laughs> yeah, that's. It's not great. It's not. It's not. It's not great. I just. I just hate. I just hate. You know, for them to try to keep a team in the playoff hunt that's behind us. You know. Well, I have money with? on the uh, on the Mavericks. So, and the other side is not great either. Yep. Well, luckily for me, I bet the Clippers, and they are up. 13 points, bet him at seven, keep it going. Woody who, what, what you going to do? Good luck with that bet. 
But as always, Thanks. we want to thank you guys for tuning in to us another week. Um, we appreciate you all. And uh, we will be back next week with a brand new episode. And guys, we're getting close to 100 episodes. So we're going to be, uh, we're going to be doing the countdown to, to 100. So we're excited about that. And uh, God bless you all. And we'll talk to you guys next week.